Hey family, welcome back. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with Tara Sills, aka The Bossy Educator. Tara is an educator with over 20 years of experience, expanding across elementary, middle school, high school, alternative, and college level classrooms. She owns multiple businesses and has published six books under her brand, The Bossy Educator. She provides workshops in areas of education and business industries. She consults small businesses in areas of creating multiple streams of income. She helps establish new business, resource needed to gain maintain cash flow, and she's also a keynote speaker. Tara has a plethora of accolades. She was voted Businesswoman of the Year by the Woman on Fire organization. She has been featured on the 20 Black Women Authors You Need to Know list along with former First Lady Michelle Obama and Nikki Giovanni, which was presented by the Atlanta African American Book Festival. Tara was also named one of the 20 inspiring people in the world by Life Lessons Magazine. She also received Who's Who Among America's Teachers Award after her second year of teaching. And last but not least, she was the Indie Author Legacy Awards finalist for Author of the Year in the Education category. Now here's my confession. I love talking about education. If you didn't know, you should be able to tell from our conversation. Confessions of Melinda Queen welcomes Tara Seals, the Bossy Educator. Good morning, Queen. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing this morning? I'm so excited to talk to you, the Bossy Educator. Yes, I'm excited to be here, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. I cannot wait to get into this conversation that we're about to have on the Confessions of a Melanated Queen. And we have so much to talk about. So We do, wait. because Melanated <laughs> Queen, that you are. I mean, you are highly decorated. I'm taking a look at your bio and just, uh, just everything that you have going on. And I'm so impressed. I don't know how we're going to even be able to you know, really dig into everything, but I want the people to know just how dope you are. And so I like to always start the conversation. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you do in your own words? Absolutely. Well, I am Tara Seals, the Bossy Educator. Uh, I am from Memphis, Tennessee, originally. I have lived in ACL long enough to be an AC alien at this point. Um, <laughs> I provide all kind of unique workshops that uh, relate to education industry as well as the business industry. I do consulting for small businesses and I do provide keynote speaking as well. Uh, I'm currently teaching fifth grade special needs at a beautiful school in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I have over 20 years of experience in education. Um, I've actually taught everything <laughs> under the sun at this point. Uh, elementary school, middle school, high school. Uh, alternative school, 24-hour residential uh, treatment facilities, as well as the collegiate level, and uh, mixed in there, uh, teaching business education and special needs uh, students in the areas of uh, ELA, reading comprehension, math, um, and dealing with uh, behavior issues, and especially the uh, social-emotional learning, which I'm sure you've heard a lot about that at this point. Yeah. Um, multiple businesses, um, I'm a six-time international author. Hey, I just believe in using my gifts, every last one of them, Lauren. <laughs> I see. I see. So let's, let's talk about that because you, you're doing something very unique and empowering. The average person that I know who's in education, they are on a one track kind of path. They are working, they're planning to retire in 20, 25 years, maybe 30 years, and then they're going to move to wherever they're going to move at. But you are doing something very different. Uh, first of all, the term boss, bossy, we have to talk about that and how you came up mm -hmm. with that. But mm -hmm. what made you want to step away from the traditional route of education, the working, the retirement, the go sit down somewhere in a big chair and enjoy the rest of your life after 60? You're, you're out and about and you're doing something different. Let's, let's hear about that. What was that journey like? Well, I felt that staying at one school, one uh, classroom, one city, one state was the most boring thing ever. Um, I started out in my hometown teaching at a school called Northside High School. Shout out to the Cougars. It is now uh, a school that has been closed. It's been closed for a few years now. But uh, when I taught there, uh, Northside was 100% African-American. Uh, I had 38% of my students um, were parents. We even had a government-funded daycare facility in the basement in order to help us um, uh, uh, gain and maintain attendance of our students that went to the school. Um, and it was a very unique situation. Uh, my mom, you know, when I told her, mom, I got the job, you know, she was like, okay, where, you know, whatever. And she was like, 
they don't have any other positions available. Like, this is the only one you can take or whatever. It was so funny. But uh, the school was located in the um, highest poverty-stricken zip code in Memphis. Um, and I took on the challenge simply because I had never um, obviously taught before. This is my first year teaching. I had subbed before that in order to find out what grade level I would work good with. And I, I would suggest to any listener, if you're thinking about teaching, definitely go in and try to sub first. Um, to um, maintain that understanding of how the school system works before you sign that one-year contract. And now you're in a situation where you sign a contract and you don't want to just, you know, leave your students without a, without a teacher if you could. So um, I went in, uh, subbed at a school for about, I would say, three or four days or something like that. Went to another school, subbed there for a few days. And then I went to a high school. And the principal was one of my sorrows. Uh, I placed Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, for those that need to know. <laughs> and she was like, I need you to come back tomorrow. I don't know what you're going to be doing. I don't know what capacity you'll be serving our school with, but you rock. You have, you know, you have what it takes to be an educator. You know the importance of building relationships. You know the importance of communication, blah, blah, blah. And I want you to come back tomorrow. So I did. So at that time, I took over a special needs class, fell in love with special ed. Um, and then she came to me again and was like, look, we need a in-school suspension program. Are you able to, uh, write a proposal and create an in-school suspension program here? I'm like, huh? Now I went from a sub to this. I was like, okay, God, you tripping, but I'm gonna roll with it. (laughs) So I, uh, took on the challenge, created the, the, uh, in-school suspension program for, uh, Dr. King. Uh, matter of fact, she has. Uh, since passed, so rest in peace to her. But uh, she gave me the opportunity, and she was like, "I know you can do it." So don't don't be looking at me crazy. I know you can do it. So I did. Created the program at the time. I was going through. Uh, I was matriculating through my my uh, MBA program, and um, I was able to, you know, still hold down the responsibilities of my MBA program and still create the um, instant suspension program along with subbing. And then after that program. Uh, was off and started. She was like, okay, now I want you to run the, the in-school suspension for middle school because our school at the time was 7 through 12. So did that uh, for about two months. And then and this, keep in mind, this is all in one school year. You're talking about a 10-month period of time. Uh, so after that, uh, she was like, I need someone. We just got this position available. We got Title $1. I need someone to be the, uh, the uh, parent specialist. She said, you know how to talk to these parents when they come in here upset, you know, you know how to, you know how to give them what they need. You understand that um, teaching is a partnership. You know, this is a, this is not a situation where we're not servicing our clients because the parents and the students are our clients. So uh, took on that challenge. And then after that year, I uh, did an interview for another school because she didn't have any positions available that would align with what I was interested in teaching at the time, which she hated, but you couldn't, you know, she couldn't push anybody else out, of course, and I totally respected that. So I went to another uh, nearby school and applied and got hired on the spot. So that's the first school that I taught at, and from there, the rest is history. Um, I decided that at that point, uh, from being and talking to other teachers, some very disgruntled, I, you know, some of those teachers had been in that same classroom at that same building for 15 years, and they were just so unhappy. I'm like, you know, you don't have to stay here, right? You can move around and find your happy place. And mm-hmm. some people just, I think some people just indulge in their brokenness, so to say. And so um, basically that's what happened, and I moved around. I taught middle school after that. Um, went on to teach um, on a collegiate level and then had the opportunity to teach at a 24-hour residential treatment facility, working with uh, children as young as six years old that were addicted to heroin, which was a whole nother uh, situation. Uh, had a great experience there. Um, and then just took the opportunity to take off some time actually from teaching. Uh, my superhero, my grandfather, he was actually, uh, he fell ill. And I took some time to spend with him and to, uh, you know, see about his needs. I always feel like the people that's in your life that uh, mean the most to you, of course, as you know, Lauren, you, you don't get them back twice, right? That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. of, course, of course, he's my ancestor, and I believe he's always getting prayers through for me, absolutely. But in the physical sense, 
So I wanted to make sure that I was there for him uh, and spending that time that was necessary and took off some time. And then after that, I was like, in, I, I would say like three or four years passed by. Uh, I wrote my book, uh, took off some time for that, renovated my home, stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I, I make me think about getting back into, you know, the traditional sense of teaching. Thought about it, you know, had applications on file or whatever. And a school system called me and were like, uh, we've heard, you know, great things about you. And we're actually, we, we have a, a, um, a dire need for special needs teachers. And we wanted to know, were you interested in a position? I'm like, okay, God, you got something up your sleeve. What do you have going on? <laughs> So I said, uh, I asked the guy, this, this was a human, uh, human resource uh, director that called me. And I was like, well, how did you get, you know, my information? He said, well, uh, one of your parents, you know, you have to thank one of your parents. They were bragging about you at Walmart. I was like, really? I said, to who? He said, to me. He said, one of the parents uh, was talking to, I guess, one of her friends or family members or whatever in the Walmart. And she was just going on and on about these little seals and how she understands her child and you know, she can depend on Miss Seals to keep her child in check, and she ran her classroom and all these things. And he said, so I had to dip in the conversation to find out who Miss Seals was. And the lady uh, gave him my email address because that's how me and her would communicate. And um, I came in for the interview. Within five minutes, I was hired. So wow. that's the, that's that's what you know what brings us to uh, 2019, um, which which is the 2018 2019 rather school year. And so that's how um, that kind of manifested. And I believe that uh, as educators, uh, it's, it's easy to com become complacent. You know, it's easy to become complacent once you have it, once you know how it works, once you know how this, what this principal expects, once you understand the curriculum, once you understand um, the expectations of the district and different things of that, or, or your region or different things of that nature. People just kind of like, okay, I got it. I know all the answers to this. I'll just stay with it for 25, 30 years, like you stated, and I'll stick with it until then. But I'm not that type of person. I like, uh, I like challenge. I, I accept it well. I appreciate it. I learn from it. Uh, and I believe that uh, it's the personal quote that I wrote. I believe if you ain't learning, you ain't living. So right. after so much time in one building, uh, I think it's time to move on and uh, increase your chances of getting to know new people, increase your opportunities of expanding your territory. Uh, as I stated earlier, you know, teaching across all of these different grade levels at this point, it does make me stand out um, because people always look at me like, you taught elementary school, middle school, and high school, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh no, I, I, them big kids, I can't do them. Or, those middle school kids, they think they grown. Or those elementary kids, them some babies, they too little. You know, it's just always something. And um, from the experience, I have gained so much new knowledge. Now I understand because I obviously, you know, started teaching high school first. So now teaching on the elementary level, I understand now why I had 12th, grade, 12th graders born that did not know how to read. I understand exactly. now mm -hmm. why those students... Um, were uh, deemed a threat to the, you know, certain students were deemed a threat to the school and were sent to the alternative school setting that I was working in. Or uh, my six-year-old six student that I taught reading comprehension and math to in the extensive uh, treatment facility, how he was introduced to heroin on the school bus. Like, mm -hmm. these are conversations that we're not having. Um, and that's the scary part. That's the scary part. That's amazing. And I, I just wanted to to chime in on a couple of things. I've been taking notes because the last thing that you just said, it really hits home for me because it, it is so important. I think I shared with you before we started recording that I spent about 10 years in higher education. Eight of those years was on mm -hmm. a community college campus. Two of those years was at a right. community-based organization where I served mm -hmm. as like the director of higher ed for the high school and um, college population of that program. Now, this is why I can really relate to what you're saying. When I was on a college campus and helping people and, and, and not really knowing or understanding why my students were struggling at the college level, when I went and began working in the community and then saw the lack of resources, the barriers, the parents who did not know how to support, because oftentimes we say 
parents just don't care what we hear this parents don't care parents don't know how to do this they 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 really don't some of them don't know how they they struggle mm-hmm. themselves and so it, right. it it allowed me to better understand why our kids are going to college underprepared because we're seeing now what's going on in the community we're seeing now what's going on at the high school level and like you said even at the elementary level the the full pipeline is kind of played out and so that's great mm-hmm. that you had that experience absolutely Right, right. And as it relates to our parents, um, I think what the disconnect is, and actually I will be um, speaking on a show next month about this, but I think what the disconnect is, is the fact that the disconnect is there is no connect, almost. Like, um, it's, 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 this is a system, okay, as we know, or now you know, that public school is a system. Uh, and this system is put in place for a reason. Uh, the system is broken for a reason uh, because the higher ups benefit from it, but we don't. But at the same time, the people that are not benefiting from it don't quite understand that it's not a benefit to them unless you are a partner with the school. Right. You don't need to just pull up to the school and drop them off or, you know, send your babies to the bus stop. Uh, and then come and pick them up or, you know, be at the bus stop when they come home. And that's all you know about the school. I tell parents all the time, it's very important that you are a relevant individual at that school. They need to know you by name. They need to know you by face. Oh, that's, oh, that's Sasha's mom. You know, mm-hmm. oh, that's Lauren's mom, girl. She don't play, you know, right. or... Uh, Lauren's mom is coming up here to help us with the uh, school talent show or the spelling bee or what have you. And I don't think the parents, because they're not present at the school uh, level, and I'm not speaking for all parents because we have several parents that are very involved, but unfortunately, the numbers are very low. Um, I could say at the particular school that I'm at or the schools that I've been at before, because I've only taught at Title I schools. Um, as you know, um, I think we talked about that briefly. Um, that I've only taught at Title I schools. So I could say the Title I schools that I taught at, only 10% or less of the parents are actually involved. So just say, for instance, if you have a school of 1,000 students on parent-teacher conference night, you know, you can park wherever you want to. You can pull up to the first parking spot. You know, you have less than 100 parents there of a 1,000 students. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but if we have a football homecoming or if we have field day or if we have, um, uh, well, uh, don't the girl, don't play with the awards day, the uh, honor right. day. Mm-hmm. It's cool. We have That's to, right. Girl, we, have to, we have to park across the street. We have to have, um, you know, people helping uh, some of the uh, grandparents get to the building and things of that nature. But when it comes to finding out what is affecting your child academically and some of the things that they can do, they don't show up. So if you don't show up, how will you know? So it's only a small percentage of our parents that are actually getting the full experience, Lauren, and that's a problem within itself. So it's, I'm glad that you brought that up because when I was working on my dissertation, that's actually a finding that I found. It was that parents traditionally, uh, unfortunately, our parents, African-American parents, traditionally, they were very comfortable with supporting those extracurricular activities with those athletic mm-hmm. activities, things like that. But when it came yeah. down to back to school night, when it came down to parent-teacher conference, like you said, they weren't, they weren't there as often. I, I created my own theory behind it, but I'm interested to hear, why do you think that is? I think that, one, some of the buildings are not parent-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard uh, administrators uh, throughout my uh, tenure as a teacher, you know, say, oh, well, you know, what do they want anyway? We got these from seven to three or, you know, eight to five or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Or they are, they feel like the parents are coming to spy on them, so to say. And so the parents don't feel comfortable. Oftentimes, too, uh, some of our parents are, that are, that are, you know, may not have the proper clothing to come to the school. Like some parents just don't have it. You know, I don't, some people just can't wrap their minds, Lauren, around the fact that people don't have it because they've never had. And that's the beautiful part about my story. It's been times that I've had it, Lauren, and it's been times that I haven't had it. So that creates a very humble experience for me simply because I am more empathetic. I understand when 
you know, mama can't come up there with nothing but a three inch skirt on because she wears three inch skirts to get her money and mm-hmm. that's how that's how she got. So that's how she's gonna come up here. So I don't look at what she has on. I appreciate the fact that she's in the building. But some parents are made to feel un- be uncomfortable too. Uh, especially parents, I have a lot of parents, Lauren, you will be amazed at the number of parents that are incarcerated. Uh, so therefore, a grandmother is keeping them. They're not well enough to come to the school. They can barely hold a conversation because they're on oxygen. You know, they may go days without their medicine because they can't afford it yet, and it's not time to refill the medicine. Um, so a lot of our parents are grandparents, you know, and some grandparents these days are in the 30s. So, you know, grandma ain't the same grandma like me and you had, you know, swollen right. ankles, coming, you know, singing Amazing Grace while she cooking the grease in the morning. Uh, <laughs> it's quite different. <laughs> it's quite different. Um, another reason why I think some parents don't want to be involved is because they feel like the school should do it. I'm not a teacher. I shouldn't have to do this. Why is he bringing homework home? He's supposed to get taught at school. And unfortunately, Lauren, through my uh, experience, I've noticed that my educated parents are the worst. Mm, really crazy because you would think that okay you have education you know the importance of education and you know what it's done for you mm-hmm. why don't you want the same thing for your child and so the educated parent oftentimes you know is working uh at these fortune 500 corporations uh they don't see the need of them to show up because they have to show up at work they have to you know provide this data at work that they're doing what they're supposed to do and this is that and the other so by the time they make it home, and this is this is a real conversation I've had with you know with parents. By the time they make it home, they're like, "Look, I don't have time to uh, work on him with anything because I'm trying to actually come down from the day of being tortured. This is the word that they would use. I've been tortured as a parent all day at work by you know the person that I report to or the team or whomever else. And I'm like, okay, so every day you go to a job and you're tortured on this job. And as a result of the torturing that goes on during the, during the day, while you make your money, you don't have any time to spend on your child once you get home because you're just totally exhausted. And wow. you don't have, but you do have the money. So now you dress up the outside body real good, but you're not worried about the inside of your child at all. It's not, you're not concerned about, you know, what they're learning. Uh, how they're learning it, why they're learning it. You don't ask any questions. You just drop them off and pick them up. And this particular parent told me, he was just like, you know what, well, uh, I said, well, since you know that your child is struggling, why don't you put something in place, like, you know, get him a, a, a private tutor or something of that nature? Well, I don't have any money to do that. Okay, but you have an expensive car, you have an expensive home, you, you have expensive taste. He wears $200 Jordans every day. He's going to have you know, a $50 haircut because he got the color and the lines and the this and the that, but you don't have extra money to spend for a tutor. And what he told me was, well, basically, I'm being tortured all day at work. I need to have something to look at to let me know why I'm being tortured, and that makes me feel a little bit better. Wow. Ain't wow. that crazy? It, it, yeah. it is. It is. that yeah. I, never, I never looked at it from that perspective at all. In fact, I just, I, I've made the assumption um, for the small people that I've worked with that when mm-hmm. people are more educated, that they usually are more, more involved. But that is very interesting. I've never seen that. So, so tell me, what, what has been yeah. the characteristic of a parent who is health, in, in a healthy way involved with their child's education? What's their characteristic? Absolutely. So most of the time I've noticed that my parents that are not educated are the ones that are on top of it because they know what they're experiencing in life as a result of them not taking their education seriously or the adult that was responsible for them at the time uh, of their K-12 education, they didn't take it serious. So now they see what they missed out on and now they're trying to make sure that their child doesn't. They don't want to repeat the same cycle again right okay yeah okay. Mm-hmm. that's interesting that um, no yeah and i'm and of course you know this doesn't go for all educated parents i'm just right. saying i've noticed that it's a mm-hmm. high percentage of educated parents that are not concerned but on the flip side it's a high percentage of non-educated parents that are concerned uh, so it's almost like um um uh, the educated parent takes it for granted 
you know, some of the educated parents take it for granted that, oh, well, my child is going to be straight because I got a college degree. My His daddy got a college degree. He going to be straight. You know, that that's the attitude that they take. Opposed to the non-educated parents, they're like, well, I don't have it, and I need them to get it so that they can get it together and maybe help me get it together. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting perspective, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, we definitely, I mean, even after this is over, we still have to continue in conversation because I have so much to share with you and so much to still glean from you. So I'm, yeah. I want to, I want to get as much as I can on the show so our audience can appreciate mm-hmm. you. But yeah, we, we can go on about this for hours because there is so yeah. much to be shared um, on mm-hmm. this topic. So now, now outside the classroom, it, it seems as if mm-hmm. you do some consulting work, you, you present workshops, you, you're an author. Tell us about that and how that kind of aligns with everything we've been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So as the Bosley educator, uh, I provide workshops in the areas of education and business industries. Um, so one of the workshops, matter of fact, I'm on tour with a um, conference now. And one of the workshops that I teach teachers is called Bossy Is As Bossy Does, How to Monetize Your Skills. So let me take it back for a few minutes. So with Bossy Is As Bossy Does, that is my platform. Um, and Bossy Is As Bossy Does means for you to be the boss of yourself. So all of my uh, workshop series, as well as all of my book series, start with Bossy Is As Bossy Does, which is my platform, and then I go into, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing. So that's one of of the examples of the workshops. I do um, consult small businesses in the areas of um, creating multiple streams of income. And one of the classes that I teach uh, is called Money Showers, How to Keep the Cash Flowing. I also assist... um, establishing uh well helping people rather establish their new businesses so these are people that are totally interested in entrepreneurship uh sometimes they're uh, green to what entrepreneurship brings um some think you know that it's just something that oh well i i make great sandwiches i want to you know be an entrepreneur but then they don't understand all the other stuff that comes with it uh and then i also provide resources uh that are needed to gain and maintain cash flow and then, of course, I do keynote speaking as well. So I just did a, um, a panel discussion, matter of fact, about education, because I sit on the board for STEM Atlanta Women as the education advisor. So I spoke, um, it was during Super Bowl weekend, that Saturday before, at the Four Seasons Hotel, and we spoke about the importance of education uh, and where, you know, where we're lacking as a people, as Black people. Uh, because, like I said earlier, I've only taught in Title I schools, so that's majority Black, that's us. And, um, and to be honest with you, that's who I'm interested in teaching, simply because, of course, I can relate to these different stories that my, my students and parents share, because everything hasn't always been peaches and cream. So um, I can relate to where they're coming from and um, uh, uh, their struggles, you know what I mean? And their challenges right. in life as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so yeah. it, it's, it seems as if your role as educator has kind of expanded. So, I mean, it's not just teaching in the traditional classroom setting or teaching parents, but I mean, you're right. moving to business entrepreneurship and kind of showing people ropes around that, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's still, it's still, it's still is centered on our people, you know, and yes. self-awareness mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's good. And STEM absolutely. especially. Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a big one. And, of course, uh, social-emotional learning as well. Um, I think oftentimes as um, teachers, so if we have any new teachers listening, I think oftentimes what uh, we're not taught, because I wasn't taught at first, but that's something that I learned, like, okay, this is really important for me to build these relationships so I can know who's sitting in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that social-emotional learning piece is a part of uh, teachers getting to know who's in front of them. And to me, I'm not able to be an effective teacher leader in that classroom if I don't know who's in front of me. So if one of my, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the people from the admin team or district office or person next door, instructional coach or whomever that I am partnering with in the building, if they ask me, you know, can you tell me something about blah, 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 you know, this student, can you tell me something about Lauren? I'll be able to tell them everything about this student. The whole wraparound is what I call it. Uh, because that's what we provide in schools these days. Uh, it's a wraparound service. It's almost like social services. Um, you have the, um, you know, of course, you in special needs, of course, my students receive additional services that the regular ed student does not receive. So that allows me to have to talk to other people in the building, such as the occupational therapists, such as the speech pathologists, the psychologists, 
um, the, the, the private therapist that my students uh, may have to come in and see or go in and see rather because they come to the school to uh, have that service uh, deemed rendered to them as well. But it's important that the partnership stretches beyond the classroom to me because you have to you have to know and you have to be comfortable with getting to know the people that you're servicing. The client is the student and the parent. But most of the time in the system, which it is, the the system is truly, truly, truly uh, school to prison pipeline. It is. Mm -hmm. I have seen it. Um, I have had so many people, Lauren, um, to ask me questions about this when I'm being interviewed. And I'm like, y'all, it's real. Like, it's not, it's not just something for the news or that the media is saying. It is real. Because I can tell you, Lauren, um, over these years of teaching, over 20 plus years, I've had so many students, Lauren, that I taught in, in at the alternative school, which I really want to delve into that too, because I think that's something that people are not aware of. Uh, the alternative school, it's a it's a beast within itself. It really is. It's a beast. Yeah. It's a, it's a beast within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can definitely see that. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they they may have read my book and saw some of the story though. But the reason why I became so enamored with um, black males in education and just kind of overly, like, I'm not going to say overly, but very concerned with it is because at, at age three, when my son, we saw a delay in his speech and we took him to be evaluated. And, you know, of course, you know, he needed speech therapy and it was suggested that he goes to the, that, that we enroll him in the local public school because it was a free program. Well, that was the first time I saw my son be labeled extremely early in his time. Now, I mean, he only been there two or three days and they were wow. all labels on him. And this was a school social worker who had never seen him. She had heard a report from the teacher and she told me, I couldn't name you. I couldn't pull your baby out from a crowd of kids, but I think he's autistic. It was like, okay, well, okay. Um, but you don't know who he wow. is. I'm a little confused. <clears throat> so that started our IEP experience. <laughs> And that's a whole wow. other story. So it be it, yeah. it it made me um terrified and paranoid. So we pulled him out and we invested in pub in private education for a number of years, and that's a whole other story. That recently mm-hmm. did. and we learned mm-hmm. that that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean better either. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so the, and that's a whole other story. But yeah, that but during that time, I guess my point is during that time when that was happening. That's when mm-hmm. I enrolled in my doctoral program. That's when I started doing research. That's when I started buying books. That's when I started looking at this school to prison pipeline because yeah. I remember it's how real. I felt. It, it is real. And I remember how I felt. And I'm, I'm one of those educated parents. And at the moment mm-hmm. that social worker said that to me, I'm embarrassed to even say some of the thoughts I had. But I will say that there was a feeling of just give up. Just give up. I, I, felt, I felt defeated. All the things we were doing, we mm-hmm. were doing him since he was two months old. I began to question all of that. And, 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 right. and if it wasn't for the people around him, my, my husband, you know, his grandfather, his grandmother, his, his, his full village, I may have right. become one of those parents who just fell into the system and believed it. And who knows what would have happened with him. So right. I, know it's real. I know it's very real. It is. And then some people just, you know, they don't ask enough questions for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, Okay, so ma'am, do you have any questions? Oh, no, well, no. And, you, you know, you're trying to get back to sleep. You're trying to get back to your boo thing, get the house. Just, mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't have any questions. And we have went over the IEP and thoroughly, you know, because I'm a, I'm a very thorough person. I feel like this is your child. You should know everything that's going on. Uh, but some people are just not that concerned, Lauren, unfortunately. And the prison, to, uh, the school to prison pipeline is real. I saw that. Uh, working at the alternative school uh, for five years. And I would say about 70% of the students that were there were black males. Mm-hmm. Out of the 70, out of the 70%, Lauren, of the black male students that were there, I would say about 50% of them were uh, students that had an IEP. Yeah. And literally, Literally, I had students that I would see sitting at their desk on a Friday. We're having, because I would always have roundtable discussion. I was, I was just really, 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 really into it. Um, because with our roundtable discussion, so many things would come out that you didn't know about your students prior to the roundtable discussion. But I would see them at their desk. We would have these discussions. They're doing their work. They're, you know, uh, 
sending in reports and projects and doing all this. And then Monday morning come and they're not there because they were shot and killed over the weekend. Oh my goodness. Wow. I mean, too many to count. Too too many to count. Um, too many times I've had, you know, breaking news, such and such and such and such, and one of my students mugshot, killed somebody, or attempted robbery, or attempted murder, or whatever the case may be, or gang affiliation. And oftentimes, it all stems from, well, my mama, you know, she was a GD, or my mama, she was a crib, or my daddy, or whatever. And so they feel like they had, the cycle has to continue. Like, why would I stop this? And then I'm, I'm looking like, okay, so your mom knows what it took and how it is to be in this. She's not going to say anything, and she's not trying to sway you from doing this. No, 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 man. My mama, my mama want me to do it because now I'm going to be who she is. Or he, or my daddy want me to do it because it's, one, you know, it's, it's his gang, and this is that and the other. And I'm just, I just had so many questions. And oftentimes, uh, if the parent uh, had to come to the school to release them for suspension or something like that, of course, I would have a real uh, courageous, is what I call them, courageous conversation with the parent to just ask, you know, is this what we really want for him or do we want them to make better choices or what? But I always say, Lauren, that the child's condition is the parent's condition. So if the parent has a certain type of condition, that is what that child is around when they're not in school, when they're not uh, home for the weekend or whatever the case may be. I mean, when they're not in school, period, they're home with the parent in this particular condition. So, of course, they're going to be affected by it. Right. It's just no way around it. No matter how, uh, you know, Miss Seals will come and say, well, you know, make sure you make good choices. Think about what you're doing before you do it. Different things of that nature. Just constantly putting stuff in their head to think about, maybe in the midst of them trying to do something. And on the other side, you have the parent that's not saying anything. Oftentimes, the parent's working two jobs because, remember now, they got to they gotta keep the outside sharp to death, you know, mm-hmm. casket ready. <laughs> but the inside is dead to the world. Period. It's like, so what are we what are we uh what are we doing exactly with our children? What what kind of choices are we making? What type of leaders are we being to them so that they can make good choices? And I also say as a parent or as a teacher, share the bad stuff too, because teachers and parents are not perfect people. Mm-hmm. And so children often think that teachers have never done anything before. I was sharing a story with my students one time, and I was telling them that I had skipped school, and they were like, "They still just skip school?" I was like, "Just because your teacher next door doesn't be honest with you about what she does, you know." And I was just cracking up, you know, whatever. That doesn't mean Miss Fields is not. And I'm like, no, I'm going to come from a real place. Of course, I know not to get too personal. This is a professional job. I signed a contract. I ain't crazy, right. but. Yeah, Miss Seals did skip school. And so they look at you as more of a real person versus you being this person that's trying to give them all the rules and regulations and you do everything perfect, but it's something wrong with them all the time. So I think that's also um, a good uh, segue into, you know, us talking to parents as well and letting them know that, you know, ma'am, I've never, I tell my parents all the time, ma'am, I've never met a perfect parent. My mom wasn't perfect. My dad wasn't perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. As a matter of fact, perfection doesn't exist. And, and the people that try to be perfect, they're the most boring people I know. Oh, yeah. So that's not the goal. You know, the goal is to help this child. And um, I believe that schools need to be more uh, student-focused than um, um uh, even teacher focus or or admin focus or whatever because who is the client at the end of the day who's coming to get something and leave with something mm-hmm. the student mm-hmm. and what what has been your experience with those parents who you know unfortunately they may have be involved in gang activity and they're passing that down to their children when you mm-hmm. have those conversations and you say you know is this something we really want to do what has been your experience with them? Are they overall, do they, do you think they really truly feel that way or do they just not have the, the esteem themselves or self-efficacy? That's the, that's the issue. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Self-esteem starts with self. Mm-hmm. Period. It, it, I can't, I can't, I can't give you self-esteem. I can't give you self-confidence. All of those things have a starting point and that is with self so if you think that this is all you can do this is all you have to contribute to the world right. you never want to become a productive uh citizen you know in society and you just don't and you just can't see success for yourself then that's what you're going to pass along right 
Absolutely. Uh, prime example, I had an 11th grade student that had three children. Lauren, she was the smartest kid in the classroom, but her mom had eight children. Her mom started having children in the ninth grade. She started having her babies in the eighth grade. The little sister started having babies in about the 10th grade. The brother had three baby mamas in the 10th grade. Like, this is this is what you have passed along, and then she would let the um, the kids have overnight guests. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she just she just felt like you know what's wrong with it? It ain't nothing wrong with it, and she would um show them how to set themselves up on assistance. And girl, you ain't got to pay these folks none. They they these folks be want this high rent and these this high you know this high um uh what do you call it um. Uh, uh, not uh, services, but uh, what am I trying to say? Um, uh, uh, like your light bill and your phone bill and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, all of like your utilities and stuff. Your yeah. house. Yeah, right. your utilities. Yeah, that's the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for. So, um, you know, she's telling them how they can go in and apply for all of these different assistance for the utilities and for the rent. And she sees practically nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's, it's normal to her. And yeah. that's what we have to understand that what is normal to you is not normal to someone else. And with me working um, with different nonprofit organizations and uh, sitting on boards and uh, just, you know, talking to everyday people, a lot of people are not aware of what's going on in inner city schools at Title One schools. And, and, you know, we have a lot of what you call um, black flight, you know, they leave the city, they go to the suburbs. And so they're not aware of what's going on, uh, in the city, in the city at all, and so they looking at you like, what? And eleventh grader got three kids, and it's and one lady told me she was like, you just have to be lying. You just cannot be telling the truth. This is just not real. This is not happening. This is this is the United States. Like, why was I'm like, ma'am, right? You're totally delusional. Exactly. It is a lot going on, but but you wouldn't know because you only want to be in the suburbs, you know, where all the houses look alike. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you know, and you feel like um, when you go and live around white people, you're better, and you kind of forget about the city. You don't, even though you leave, you can still come back. And, That's right. And, help and give back. Uh, so I'm not saying you know not leave because you may have to leave in order to create a better situation for yourself or your family, whatever the case may be. But you're leaving behind a lot of people that does need your help. Absolutely. And that's something I talk about a lot. The white flight that turned to the black flight. You know, my parents left the south side of Chicago in the early 80s because they were literally just looking for a home. But then what happened by the time I grew up in that particular community, I saw our community become a very, you know, lower middle class, nice black community that I was very proud of. But then Right. experienced the black flight because what happened was when in the city of Chicago, when those housing projects came down and they were, you know, sending people all over the South suburbs, black people right. began to run from black people. And it's right. not until I began working for a community based organization where I mm-hmm. worked directly with the former residents of Cabrini green. And mm-hmm. I began to, empathize because now I understand what that was like. So you're talking about generations of people who lived in high rises. And even though from right. the outside, we all judge that was mm-hmm. their community for generations. Was, their mama, their, grandmama, right. their uncle, um, whoever, the whole, family. The whole mm-hmm. family was there. So how traumatic is it for those buildings to be demolished and now everybody's spread out? So now we're displaced. So from the outside right. looking in, people are like, oh, well, why would you want to live like that? Why, well, that, it doesn't matter. That's home. That's home. And everybody right. you know was in that radius with you. That, that just, I mean, I think they had like maybe 60, 70 something acres, but it was still their community. And now they're all over the place. Grandma on the South Side, so-and-so on Country Club Hills, whoever's in Markham. Right. And not everybody know how to get around. We, 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 we don't all have cars. And they don't have public right. transportation as readily available on, in, in the suburbs like they did in the city of Chicago. So I, it's right. not until I had that experience that I began to really, truly understand what this was like for people. And then it made me mm-hmm. more frustrated with the families who up and left because they didn't want to be around their own people when they had to move That's next right. door, you know? Right. That's yeah. true. And, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is, and, and the unfortunate thing, Lauren, is we will always be displaced until we create our own. 
Absolutely. That's right. Anytime you're depending on somebody else to give you something, do something, see about you, you know, you're all, we're, we're always going to be this place until we create our own situation. Um, we have to get out of the tradition of um, waiting on somebody else to help us out the water. You got to wait out that water yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to figure it out. Uh, and it's important that we work together um, to do that. And, and, and the work has to be put in. And a lot of people, unfortunately, Lauren, they want to skip the work. That's right. It's no short, it's no shortcut, short, shortcut to it at all. You have to put in the work in order to get that done. And I have a lot of people that, uh, friends and family, they don't want to uh, raise their children in the city, particularly like here in Atlanta, because, you know, they feel like the school systems are, the school systems and the schools that are available are not the type of schools um, that they want their children to attend. Now, while I'm not, um, you know, that's a choice. I, I can understand that choice as well, because also we have to understand that the school is there for a reason. And we've already, under, we've already stated that it's a system in place. But as a parent, if you know that this is the system that's in place and you know that you may not have the funds to send your child to a private school, let me put this in here. Just because you send them to a private school does not mean you're not going to have issues. Private schools have their own set of issues as well. They sure so do. you still need to be very proactive and not reactive. You need to be very um, aware of what's going on in the building. You need to build those relationships. Um, but when it comes to public school, you, you need to do that even more. It, it's, it's even more necessary opposed to saying, oh, well, girl, you know, they, they feed them free lunch and free breakfast over there. But have you seen the breakfast? Have you seen the lunch? Mm-hmm. No, because you've never, because you can't take off from your corporate job for 30 minutes to come and sit and eat lunch because you have a meeting that you got to, you know, impress your, your folks for or, for, or your folks with or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you don't have time to come to the school to even see what they're feeding your child, but you're bragging to our girl, it's free. I ain't going to fix them no lunch, but have you seen it? Some right. of the, some of the prisoners are eating better than our children. That's right. It's not That's a nutritious right. meal. It's not a nutritious meal. It's, it's matter of fact, um, it's government funded. So there you have it. So That's you right. need to look into what's, what's going on in your particular school, pull the, pull the numbers, pull the data, uh, make sure you pull the pacing chart so that you can see where your child should be. Uh, make sure you know what their lifestyle score is, that's their reading score. You need to ask questions. It shouldn't just be you dropping them off, picking them up. It should never be that situation. And I think oftentimes, Lauren, when people receive free, you know, you see the word free, free school, free transportation, free food, sign them up. Mm-hmm. And not asking because it's free. But you need to ask even more questions when it's free because trust me, it's a lot of stuff going on that a lot of people are not aware of. So you're doing an excellent job when making people aware of what's happening around them and teaching them the ropes. I, I read a quote from you that says, bossy is as bossy does means you you being the boss of yourself and knowing when the universe is telling you to move, making your own decisions consciously and knowing that time is your most valuable asset. So having said what you just said, and when mm-hmm. you are doing these workshops and you're training people, how do you align all these years of knowledge and information and, and, and tips that, that will empower parents? How, how do you place that? into the workshops that you do or the, the, the brand of a bossy, you know, a, the bossy educator. Absolutely. So um, as a bossy educator, I promote you to be the boss of yourself. That's the mm-hmm. first part. So once you are the boss of yourself, you are able to know when you need to move, not somebody else telling you when to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that boss is within you. You know, I, I plan say, oh, my boss told me this. No, boo. You don't have a boss. Right. You are the boss. But some people don't know their worth. They don't know their value. So they're sitting up, oh, girl, I got to go and uh, do this for my boss. I'm like, ooh, don't say that. You right. know, every time I hear it, I'm like, don't say that. Because you now you're, you're actually giving somebody else the power over you. Are you mm-hmm. crazy? I don't care how much money is attached to that. You always need to know who you are, your worth, when it's time for you to move. I don't care how they're telling you, oh, you're doing such a, a great job. And this, that, and other. We're going to give you a 50 cent raise. Do you, do you think you work a 50 cent raise? Or do you think you work a thousand dollar raise? Or, right. or, you know, you need to open your mouth, which is one of the chapters in my book. It's called Open Your Damn Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
it's important that we do that. I even teach my students to do that. Of course, I don't tell them to open your damn mouth, but I just say, man, look, guys, make sure you open your mouth. Miss Fields doesn't read mine. I don't know when you don't mm-hmm. understand. You got to tell me, which makes them comfortable in telling me when they don't understand, opposed to me saying, okay, so if you don't know it, you just don't know it or whatever. Now, of course, if you don't know it, you don't know it. That's, that's true, right? But it doesn't have to stay there. You should want to learn what it is that you need to know because obviously this is on the curriculum. You need to, well, they say you need to know it. Okay, well, that's another conversation. <laughs> but they say what you need to know. So you need to take care of your business and do what you need to do. Uh, so that's what uh, bossy is, you know, being the bossy yourself is all about. And then the education part comes in where I think we have been motivated to death, Lauren. You know, how many empowerment speeches do you need to hear before you need to understand that it's within you? That's right. <laughs> I, so, I cannot agree more. <laughs> yeah, so that's where the whole bossy educator uh, brand comes in at. Um, not only uh, when I'm speaking about education, but when I'm speaking to my clients about their small businesses, you need to know how to make moves. You need to know how to open your mouth. You need to know how to ask for resources. You need to know how to pay for a class and say, you know what? I don't know this information. This person is charging a hundred dollars for this class. I'm taking it because no one is just out here trying to give you free information other than Google. And some of that information is not going to be what you really need to know because Google hasn't necessarily experienced being an entrepreneur yet, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you need to go to someone that has that information and knowledge that you need so that you don't have to make some of the same same mistakes. Yeah. It's called moving. It's called executing. It's called knowing when you need to move and uh, being in tune with the universe as well. So what what has who has been your target audience? Is there like um, levels from from young adults to you know, adults who are in the business? I mean, what, who has been your audience so far? Well, you know what? With the uh, entrepreneur piece of the Bossy Educator, I've had entrepreneurs as young as eight years old. Mm. And then, uh, so it's not necessarily um, an age, but it's more so a target audience, like you stated. Uh, people that are interested in the education field or people that are, are already um, in the business field but want to learn how to create multiple streams of income or people that have never owned a business and want to establish a whole new business altogether um, with the bossy educators. And then on the other side uh, of the workshop, like for instance, I'm doing a conference now. So uh, the workshop that I'm teaching is bossy is bossy does how to monetize your skills. So, uh, so far I've had teachers, uh, principals, assistant principals, um, instructional coaches, I've had superintendents in my classes. Nice. So I have a question for you. You have six books that you have completed and you're working on the seventh one. Crazy lady. Crazy. I know you got all types of stuff (laughs) going on. So I would, I would personally like to um, purchase one of your books and give it to one of our listeners. I, I would like to know which one would you recommend they start with? Would it be the first one, the five keys that open doors or. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to make sure that we provide a copy of your book to one of our audience members. So that announcement would be made at the time that this show was released. So I'm excited about okay. that. I mean, more than likely, yeah. we're going to get two because I got to read one too. So <laughs> we'll get okay. one for me okay. and then we'll get one for um, an audience member who, because I think that this is really important work that, that you're doing. I think it's so dope. I can Thank talk you to you so forever and I absolutely have to let you go at some point because you have a busy schedule. You know, know. (laughs) (laughs) well, so, so how can people, because I'm going to make myself stop because we can, I can literally hold you all day. How can people Mm -hmm. get a hold of you if they're interested in a a workshop series or just following you? What, Mm -hmm. what is all the information that you can give them at this time about you? Yeah. So, um, all of the books can be found at bossy is at bossy does.com. Um, I also offer a scholarship as well. So if any uh, listener has a high school senior as of the 2019-2020 school year, you can go to bossyisbossydoes.com. There's a link there for the scholarship. Um, You can go ahead and submit those submissions. Uh, Right now, we're in the process of selecting the uh, 2018 uh, recipients of the scholarship. And then the uh, we'll start over in December. So the applications will be due December the 1st, and then we'll announce the 
winners for 2018 on March the 1st, and then they'll be awarded on August the 1st. So I have to have that organized to keep me sane. So that's that information. Uh, I'm also the owner of Body Decor Boutique. Uh, for those of you that didn't know, so you can go to bodydecorboutique.com. That's B-O-D-Y-D-E-C-O-R Boutique, B-O-U-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Um, and then if you're interested in any workshops, consulting, or keynote speaking, you can go to thebossyeducator.com. And all of that information is also on Instagram as well. Uh, so for Instagram, it's the Bossy Educator. For the books, it's Bossy Is As Bossy Does on Instagram. And then for uh, the boutique, it's Body Decor Boutique with the number one on the end. Uh, I'm accessible. You all can DM me. I'm not one of those people like, don't be DMing me. But you can DM me. You can uh, email me as well if you have any questions about anything that we've um, spoke about today. I do um, like to get feedback and to have those extended conversations to assist people. Some people just don't know, Lauren, you know, what, what direction they want to go in or they don't have the answers. Um, and I'm not saying I have all of them either. However, I'm one of those people that if I don't, I will reach out to my network to get the information. Right, right. Absolutely. Okay. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, any parting words before we go that you want to share with the people? Definitely. I would say to make sure that you're following your own legend. Be very honest with yourself in every decision that you make. Always read, 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 read. Y'all, the information is in the books. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, that's the reason why they're in the books, because a lot of us don't read. And so they always say, and this has been, you know, a saying since I was a little girl, if you want to hide it from us, put it in the book. Right. So make sure you're reading. Always continue your education. Um, I had three degrees at 25. I have not stopped learning at all. I learn something new every day. I'm always signing up for a class. I'm always asking questions. I'm always, um, you know, networking um, and extending my circle um, because I feel that, as I said in the uh, interview, if you're not learning, you're not living. And to me, live, learning is part of living. So if you stop learning, then what are you doing exactly? I think that will be more of a you're just existing type situation. So make sure you um, take hold of your life and the things that it is that you want to do. Uh, stop looking for validation. And remember, there are no shortcuts. And you don't want them to be because you learn so much. You learn so many things during the journey um, of trying to figure things out that you wouldn't have learned if you had a shortcut anyway. So don't cheat yourself treat yourself okay i love that <laughs> i i'm gonna say it again i could talk to you all day so um we're gonna I know, I know. we're gonna have to do a part two because i have so much to say that. so many yeah. questions and then i have some projects that i'm working on that if there was any way possible for you to be involved in i would love to have you so uh we will okay. definitely continue this conversation okay great well lauren i want to say thank you uh, to you for creating this platform. I think it's amazing. Um, I am uh, a listener myself. As I told you before we started talking, I'm in the middle of one. Now I have like 26 minutes left. So while I'm cooking uh, some breakfast this morning, I'm going to listen to the rest of that. But uh, the Confessions of a Melanin Queen uh, is definitely a beautiful platform uh, that you have put together to uh, uh, allow people to hear the voice of other people and to learn you know that's that's what life is all about learning so I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you this morning thank you I really appreciate you listening it has been a journey it's been so interesting but what I love about it is that I get to do what I'm doing right now learning from others and listening to others and just sharing that information because there's so much that we all have a value that we could share and then you know it's, it's really about building a culture and that's that's what it's really about so it's been amazing so I thank you for tuning in I thank you for taking this time today um, to chat with me I can't wait for the show to come out because I can't wait to share with people what I'm learning and, uh, yeah. and I'm going to be right back i'm be wanting people dming you a question so i'm glad that you are open to that <laughs> yes i'm open to it totally thank you so much no problem thank you well guys i really appreciate you listening we'll talk to you again next week take care if you enjoy the confessions of a Lady queen podcast please head over to itunes and give us five stars and a review i appreciate all of your love and support i look forward to chatting with you next week